question so they better have an answer Every week a different conversation is the plan It goes round and round and round, round and round and round We just trying to figure out what this life is about I'm a black man trying not to get caught I'm just trying to solve the puzzle like a jigsaw You know it's a big world so easy to get lost I'm just trying to solve the puzzle like a jigsaw, jigsaw We live baby <laughs> And I just want to welcome you to the official lunch of my podcast. As corny as that was, it just shows you how overjoyed I am to be right here on this podcast, on this mic, in your ears. And it's been a long time coming. So I just want to welcome you. We'll welcome you once. We'll welcome you twice. Where are my church babies at? We'll welcome you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. <laughs> we are here at the Jigsaw where we talk about how to navigate and to journey through the craziest puzzle ever created, and that is the Jigsaw of life. Y'all, we're going to talk about the perils, the praises, the productivity, and the pump and circumstance of being a real-life black millennial in America. Now, those are my nuances. Those are my perspectives, but and you may be saying, I'm not a millennial. I'm not black, and that's okay. We're going to have some really diverse and intergenerational conversations here that I believe everyone can contribute to, but I'm going to let you know these are going to be some real black, blackity, black, black, black conversations as we talked about in the trailer. Um, if you did listen to the trailer, go check it out, but I want to introduce you to myself, who I am, the man behind the mic every week. I am Josh Rogers, a disciple of Jesus a lover of culture, and a curator of motivation. <laughs> That's who I am. Man, I'm just a husband. I'm a father. I'm a brother. I'm a son. I am one who loves God and loves his people. I love culture. I love trap music. I love tattoos. I love my family. I mean, I'm from Morehouse. I mean, I went to Morehouse. <laughs> graduated from there. I graduated from Arkansas State University. I graduated from Georgia State University. I'm degree, y'all. And Sally Mae's getting her money every week, so I'm going to represent and put them degrees on the table, let you know what's up. I'm not bragging, but hey, I pay for them papers, and I'm going to talk about them. Um, <laughs> I'm originally from Memphis, Tennessee. What up? Memphis, and I currently reside here in the Atlanta area with my wife and my two boys, and I'm just excited to be with you every single week and to bring you what I think are some really necessary conversations, and every single week, we're going to have these conversations with some dope people, some of my friends and colleagues and family members and brothers, and we're going to get on here and we're going to hash it out in the virtual living room and have our conversations. Now, what can you expect from the podcast? You can expect some black excellence shout outs. You can expect a pop culture segment. You can expect the life conversations in the living room, which I just talked about. You can expect some things about self-care and mental health. You can definitely expect me ranting and raving and going off about something because it wouldn't be Josh Rogers if I didn't. It's going to be super dope, but I'm not going to bore you with any more introductions. I'm ready to get into the podcast. Let's get ready for our first segment, our very first Bless Up Report. So this week on the Bless Up Report, we are going to do some black excellent shout outs with as we will do every single week and the first one goes to my wife none other than Asha Rogers she celebrated a birthday on this past Friday and a part of her birthday gift to herself she launched a t-shirt line an empowerment line 
dedicated to boy moms and to sons. And there are some amazing shirts. She has some that talks about how to be a guide to a boy mom out of the office. Ask your dad. Um, Black Boy Joy is my superpower and it's the king in me. So you can go to her website. Uh, well, her IG page, which is at I am Ash Rogers. You can click the link in her bio and find out how to get her T-shirts and how to support her and how to represent for all the boy moms and the young boys out there. The next black excellence shout out on the Bless Up Report goes to a young lady by the name of Danielle Gathers. She's a sophomore at MIT. She was just elected as the first black woman to be the student body president. Currently, she is a mechanical engineering major. And prior to being elected, she um, founded the Talented 10 program at MIT that focused on increasing enrollment among black women at the university. Um, she had a platform on unity and equity. And we're just super excited that even in 2020, there are still some first blacks out there and we are killing the game. So y'all go show her some love and support her. I got this information um, from because we can on IG so go show her some love and let her know that we're supporting her and we hope that she does well especially as she has to navigate um, her presidency in what may be a very strange um, semester and beginning of a new year come August because we don't know what this thing is going to look like but she's persevering so shout out to my baby my wife Ashley love you girl and shout out to Miss Danielle for doing your thing as the first black student body president of MIT so now let's move into our pop culture segment the billboard <sighs> y'all it happened again it happened again and it's numbing it's frustrating it is ridiculous and <sighs> I really don't have the energy to talk about but I'm gonna briefly mention it many of you know that you know when you're listening to this by now a couple of days ago George Floyd was murdered by Minneapolis police officers four of them as a matter of fact from what we understand that they were called to the scene because of what was supposed to be a forgery incident. But cameras and footage have shown that he was not resisting arrest, as they suggested. And I had the unfortunate pleasure of watching the video, all nine minutes of it, and seeing them murder that man. And it was sad. It was as I said before, numbing, and I mean, when will it end, y'all? I, I, I'm as a black man, it's frustrating because it could be me, right? I could be getting pulled over for speeding or whatever, or in the wrong neighborhood running like a mod, or not even the wrong neighborhood, just a neighborhood, right? And I have two black sons, and I, I I'm always kind of lost for words trying to figure out just just why there is no real reason why but it has to stop and the excessive force that they used on that man putting their knee in his neck for five minutes hearing him scream hearing him um screech for his life saying that he was uncomfortable that he could not breathe that you know he even said at one point that they're going to kill me and it happened so there is no excuse. It's been reported that those four men have been fired, but that is not enough. We need to keep advocating for justice and those men, men need to stand trial and be tried for murder, murder, because that's exactly what they did. They murdered that man in the middle of the street for all of us to see. And it was not. okay. when will there be regard for black life? I just I don't understand. Um, sometimes I'm hopeful, but I feel like my, me being hopeful is, is, is ignorance, you know, and I'm just being honest, but 
we are hopeful, we're prayerful, and we want to take action that things will change. So this is why it's important to vote. Let me get on my bandwagon right there and let you all know that you must, 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 must vote. Next thing up right here in the billboard, we want to wish um, a heavenly birthday to my girl, Lisa Left Eye Lopez. I wasn't the hugest TLC fan, but today, um, by the time you listen to this, probably yesterday, would have been her 49th birthday. And I just think that her life ended so tragically. And I've actually been on this like 90s music kick lately. And I've been like, I've always been an advocate for women rappers, right? And being on this 90s kick, I'm like, Lisa Left Eye don't get kind of the credit that she deserves. Like, she's not in a lot of major conversations when it comes to um, women, specifically black women, in rap. Like, she was pretty dope. She was super eccentric, and I think she paved the way for a lot of the kind of quirky, out there, out loud rappers like we see in Missy, um, we see in Nicki Minaj and Little Kim. Like, she was kind of there slightly before some of them. And um, or and, and even as their peers in some senses. Right. Um, but she was just always out loud and authentically her. And we just want to recognize who she is, the art that she produced. And I just wanted I wanted to do that because I had been listening to 90s music and I'm like, man, we got to give her some flowers. And, you know, I think she got a lot of flowers while she was alive. But we want to give her some more even um, in this moment. Lastly, 45. Our current unfortunate president, Donald Trump is running for re-election, and we know that the presumed Democratic candidate is um, Vice President Joe Biden. And, um, you know, President Trump has done some quirky and crazy and stupid things <sighs> during his presidency, and here's another one that goes on the, on the list. On his official Snapchat, he remixed a T.I. song, the T.I. song, Whatever You Like, and made it an anti-Joe Biden um, like anthem. So he took the part that says, um, I want your body, need your body, long as you got me, don't need nobody, right? That's the part from T.I. song. The Trump administration or his campaign team or whoever took it and made it like, don't need Joe Biden, don't want Joe Biden, long as you got Trump, don't need Joe Biden, or whatever the black whatever crap it was like bruh have you lost your mind like who did you think you were going to reach using that definitely not me definitely a lot not some of my colleagues and friends who are more in tune and aware with what you're trying to do like this pandering activity you've done nothing for the black community you've done nothing to support us um you have increased and incited the hate and the fear that is out there now like racism has always existed it's never stopped but you have emboldened some of these people and you have the audacity and the nerve to use now i'm not the hugest tip t.i harris fan but what i do know about him is that he is not at all a supporter of Donald Trump and anything that he stands for. So I wouldn't be surprised if um, T.I. himself will be talking about this and his team having that ad taken down. If it's not already taken down by now, it was just ridiculous. It was stupid. And I really don't get why it was there. <laughs> why it was there. Like, bro, it was like, huh. 
Okay, enough about that. I'm not going to give him that energy, but it was dumb. And it did not I don't I don't know who it moved because many of probably white conservatives did not understand the reference and for those of us who did understand it, who heard it, were probably either completely flabbergasted, confused, angry, irritated, and so many other emotions by him doing that. Like pandering to us on that level is it going to work? We not voting for you, bro. Now, no. Okay. So again, on my soapbox, y'all get out there, y'all vote. I know Biden just did the dumb thing with Charlemagne talking about if you don't vote for me or you vote for Trump, you're not black. But I mean, we, we don't really have a lot of options out here. Right. So let's make sure <laughs> that we are voting toward progress and making sure that we get this joker out of office. Enough of the billboard. We've talked about all we need to talk about in pop culture. I'm ready to dive into the meat of our conversation. I can't wait to introduce you to our next guest, our first guest on the Jigsaw. Let's dig into it. Come on, y'all. Let's take a seat inside the living room. What's going on, everybody? I want to welcome you all to the first official installment of The Living Room, where we have life conversations. And today, I am super excited to have my boy, my frat brother, my friend, um, the poet himself, John Wood, with me in the living room. Um, I'm going to let him introduce himself. Say what's up to the people, John. What's up, y'all? What's popping? What's popping? I'm excited to be here. Tell us about yourself, man. What do you do? Yeah, bro. I'm a poet, man, from Atlanta, from the Atlanta area, from Southwest Atlanta. Um, I've been doing poetry for um, officially for about five years, but like unofficially for like almost 10 years, like going on like not yet, like almost 10 years performing. Um, I'm a I do uh, IT work by day and um, I'm a poet all the time. So. Yeah, now he's he's downplaying a little bit. John is a definitely an Atlanta celebrity <laughs> in these streets. Uh, but no, we connected um maybe about six months or so ago at an event where he was opening up with poetry. I was on a panel and you know, we happened to be frat. So of course that was an initial connection and we just vibe from there and we've kept in contact. Um awesome dude, um, really pro black. I actually got one of his shirts. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah, uh, from the blackest black forever collection. Election. And today's conversation is about black productivity. And uh, my boy, like I said, he downplayed it, but he's a poet. He has <laughs> two like stained glass apparel. He has his black um, black forever line. Um, a lot of his poetry is centered around the black experience. And who better to talk about it than have this conversation than between him, he and I. So. Yeah, John, I just want to jump straight into the conversation, bro, um, especially I think a lot of millennials specifically are they feel pressured or especially during quarantine to produce or overproduce because society is telling us that we have all of this time and we should yeah. be maximizing this time. And if you didn't come out of this and birth in something big, right, you, didn't right, maximize, right. you know what I'm things. saying? Like all of that pressure, all the things. Right. Yeah. So we all know productivity takes many forms, but it really looks different from project to project. And it looks different from environment, like different environments. So what does productivity look like for you, bro? Yeah, bro. I think, productivity is actually morphing for me bro honestly in the crazy crazy part of my life at this point because to be truly honest i've had the ability to spend the last five years of my life focused on creative things 
writing poems, um, building a merch line, working with other creatives, you know, making shirts. Like, I mean, in all these things, designing, like I've done so much in the creative space and like, it's crazy. Now, a lot of my counterparts are now getting to the point where, you know, they want to get in creative spaces, but now we're kind of mm-hmm. switching places where now I'm going, trying to learn more of like, um, house things and just like taking my care of myself as a man and yeah. you know all of these other areas of my life that I kind of didn't pay as much attention to because you know I wanted to be the artist and I wanted to be these things and so now it's crazy even now for me productivity is kind of morphing is like who am I as a person like let me work on my things let me work on me um it's you know rather than just like oh, okay I got a bunch of views on my poem and I'm good. Like I'm saying I can mm-hmm. go to sleep and have a rest tonight, you know, and be proud of that. It's so interesting that you talked about productivity shifting from like the work and the creativity to really like working on yourself. How did, like, when did you notice that transition? Yeah, bro. I, it's always, I think it's always sometimes, at least for men, well, I think most people it's always a relationship, right? So I think it was after my last relationship where yeah. I realized that, I did really well at the at the business things and the creativity things and us doing stuff together and us, you know, making money together, business together, all of these things. But like on like more of the self-work, it was it just kind of took a back seat. And I realized I was ignoring my self-work, you know, because the money was there or these other things are being done. Oh, I'm tired. I don't got no time to really work on it to journal to read my Bible, to do other things, I'm going to sleep now. You know, next day, mm-hmm. do the whole thing over again. Right. So right. that was kind of and the I, prompt for me. No, and I get it. Like, because I'm a husband, I'm a father, I've worked nine to five, done all this other crazy stuff. And sometimes you are so consumed with the work that you forget to do the work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Working on yourself. Um, Even just taking time with family. Like, my wife had to pull me to the side once. It was like, I need you to pause, right? I'm I'm still here. I'm still like to death do you part. You know what I'm saying? That 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 vow is still there. And like I definitely feel you. Like relationships, I think the human um what's the word I want to use? The the human um I can't think of it, so I'm not going to get stuck there. But <laughs> no, there it is. The human currency of relationships. That's what I was looking for. Okay. Okay. Will often cash in and tell you when you need to start taking care of yourself. No, that's um, good. because people around you will let you know that you're not your best self, and it'll start to have the mirror, that reflection to show you that you know what I'm saying. Like you're not giving it all that you think you're giving it in the areas that matter the most. Exactly. So. Um, like how, so, so, so how do you prepare? Like, how does John prepare for the IT work or even how does he sit down and be like, you know what? I'm gonna write this poem. What does their preparation, how does their preparation look? Yeah, I actually am learning that, um, a lot of, I, I prepare for things based on two things, really, um, either consumption of other creativity Mm -hmm. or rest. Like, okay. Those are the places that I create from. Or that I get prepared from. So I can't really be my best self, you know, in my in my role as a product owner in a software company if I don't have rest. You know what I'm saying? Or um, or if I'm not consuming um, things that can help me think creatively in these areas. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with po- with poems and poetry or concepts or whatever I'm doing for designing for new things. I need to be constantly in some shape or form consuming something that's not always social media sometimes it's just watching poems 
know what I'm saying? I actually get more inspired from watching poems than I do getting scrolling on my phone for hours, you know? So, um, that's what it, that's what prep looks like, you know, for me. And then there's obviously this task of actually getting to the page or actually pulling yourself out of bed to go to work. You know what I'm saying? That, that piece (laughs) of the work, right? Because I think there's a level of, um, of like anxiety sometimes or like fear that wants us to procrastinate. So I'm going to lay in bed a little bit longer. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm not really ready to take on this day. Um, uh, there is a level of, oh, okay, God has dropped this concept in my heart about this poem, but I don't really know how it's going to come together. So now I'm kind of fearful to go to the page and try to write it because I might deface defeat when I get there. And so I just don't write the poem and I just keep living on about my day. So no, no, I feel it because like sometimes the work is the preparation and that demon of procrastination will like sit there and be like, oh, I'm a, I mean, because like as much as we probably don't call ourselves beasts in our own respective areas, you, we know that we're good at what we do. So we'll wait to the last minute like, Psh, I can knock that out in five minutes. I can knock that out in 10 minutes. And that 10 minute marker come and we're like, we're scrambling. <laughs> so I yeah. definitely get I definitely get that point of the work of like doing the work of preparing for it. So what you talked about listening to poems um, is like one of your points of preparation. Like what inspires you? Like who inspires you? Yeah, I'm really ex- inspired by by poetry. Really, uh, uh black w- women poets, black like are really my, okay. my favorite poets. Like, uh, my actual favorite poet is a woman by the name of Jasmine Mans. Um, she's a poet out of Newark, New Jersey. Um, she was one of the first people I listened to, and I was like, oh, I'll never spit poems that good. <laughs> so, um, she, and it's crazy even now. Life, like, I consider her a friend of mine, and so, um. She's one of the one poet that that always inspires me. Um, but yeah, listening to poetry in it, itself and hearing people be very raw and like passionate about something and really do their creative best to push this out to you. Um, okay. And uh, I love seeing people do that. And, and it fuels, you know, that inside of me to be like, dang, I have things I need to say. I have, you know, you see that gap. You know, I think there's always this this creative gap. It's like what you may you start the podcast like there Mm -hmm. are things that I want to talk about. There are there is a I live in a space as well. And now I want to bring my best self. I want to bring my voice to people and add in that gap. And so that really inspires me seeing the gaps like nobody's talking about this or nobody's saying it this way. And so that makes me want to jump on the page and, you know, give my input there. Yeah, so let's let's go even deeper into that. Like, so Sweet Potato Home, right? Yeah, one yeah, of the yeah. poems that I fell in love with. I featured in my blog. Check yeah, it out I if you're subscribing. That. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, so like, what what was the sp- specific inspiration to that? Was it the woman that you were talking about, or was it culinary? Or is, is that all <laughs> metaphors and analogy? What was what was happening there? Right. So I think the main thing there was about um the 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 art of kind of like it is um just looking at a woman and like, and it could be really be any, anyone, but it's like when you fall in love with somebody, like the intimacy of the small things that they do, you know what I'm saying? And poets, a natural, a good poet is someone who watches things. Like we study people, we study activity, we study what people do. 
because that just makes for better writing. We're like naturally inquisitive. And so one thing I used to, you know, that really drove that poem home was like, really the name of the poem was originally it's the little things. That was the name of the poem originally. Okay. Oh, the way you do your hair, like the way you dance in the kitchen when you getting ready, like how we go out on a date, you know what I'm saying? And we just walk in and like, it's, it's the little things. And, um, it was like, um, it was like, okay, so, you know, when I first spit the poem, I was like, oh, um, darling, you sweet potato pie, which which is to say that you are home. And it was just what I just thought about at the time. Yeah. That home feels like something like something sweet. Like that's what it feels like. And so I actually went to record the poem with um, a producer at, a, at, at like a maybe not too long after I wrote it. We never dropped the track. But uh, when he was saving the poem, he was like, what's this poem called? Sweet potato home. And I was like. No, it is not, but we should call it that. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I think it's like it, a lot of times art, I think, does come from from that experience. And I think that also points in even a little bit to that rest. That was like that consumption. Yeah. You know, it's the consumption of me watching you do something. But it's also the rest of just chilling with my girl and just admiring her be annoying. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. yeah. I mean, because they can be annoying. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, but but no, like, how does that? And it's so interesting though, because when I think of sweet potatoes, I automatically go to the Black Experience Grandma's yep. Kitchen. Yeah, you know, yep. because as, as much as I love my non-melanated brothers and sisters, <laughs> they're more of the you know the pumpkin pie, the pumpkin, yeah, the, and we're the sweet potato. We're, we're the sweet potato pie eaters. Um, so how does like this productivity or this source of inspiration shift or does not shift at all from from your experience as a black man? What do you mean by shift? Like, like, is there any additional pressure or is there any additional like things that you do, like from your black experience or perspective while you're producing work? Yeah, bro. I think I think producing as a black person is relatively hard sometimes because there is one thing that um, it's like it's pressure to produce a lot of times. Sometimes it comes from um, what what uh what the culture is saying and what the yeah. culture is doing you know and also this you know what's gonna stick what's gonna pop because there is a level of as a as an artist or as a person in general whenever you're creating if you're doing anything creative or you just working trying to make some money you're mm-hmm. trying to find a way to speak to the culture of people you know but also get your product get your thing out there to make people pay attention to it but also not sacrifice who you are and sacrifice the validity of your art, you know? And I think that is always a task. And then black people, man, we have this extra thing now where we have to talk about black experience when it comes to, you know, especially being in a poet arena of the murder of black men and the murder of black women by, you know, by the cops. So now we have all, we have a whole social sector that we have to speak to because we are, the producers of the time. So it's like, I'm being pulled by all these different things. And it's like, maybe I just want to write about sweet potatoes. You feel me? Right. Like, you know, <laughs> like, you know so, but it's, you know, and, and I traditionally don't have a lot, you know, my, a lot of my blackness comes through like my, um, my, uh, like the way I push black art out is a lot of way through, you know, sweatshirts and t-shirts. A lot of my poetry itself isn't always so like, Oh, like they doing this wrong, beat, fight the system, you know, because 
it's it's taxing. You know, no, it's definitely it's definitely draining. Like we we know about the incident that went public yesterday yes. with George Floyd, yeah, and it was just another like numbing like stab to all black people. I would assume, you know, what I'm saying. So I, I get it that it's taxing. Like, but even expanding that conversation, how does that how does that experience as a black man bleed over into your more corporate area? Right, the way you produce and work, um, specifically like how you present in those spaces. Right, like. <laughs> Yeah, bro, it's hard, bro. I I haven't really ever been, and that might be a fault of my own. Um, I don't know who's there to meet me halfway on these things, but like I've never really taken my black, um, like my black, uh, like just being hurt or my black yeah. anger and brought it really to the workplace. Like today, no cap, bro. I literally just told folks I wouldn't be at my first 9 a.m. meeting. I was up since like 7.30 and I just laying in the bed. Like I didn't realize how much the George Floyd situation had affected me this morning. And um, I just laid in the bed, you know what I'm saying, until yeah. almost 10 o'clock and finally got out and started doing some things. But I just needed that that kind of those like couple hours just to grieve and to just rest. And um, I can't really say, I, you know, I don't, I've never really brought that to the workplace and so I think it does affect us. I don't know if you've ever been in an environment where you felt comfortable bringing those things to the workplace, but very similar in the same position when Kobe passed and mm-hmm. um, I go to work the next day and it's just like, ain't nobody talking about Kobe. Like, ain't nobody, ain't, ain't nobody affected by that. Right. No, I, so I, I actually have. Um, yeah. There was a situation specifically previous job when our current president was elected and it was just originally I was going to take a mental health day and be like not coming in. Um, but prior to that, like people think what he's doing now is new. Like, he had been inciting this fear and hate like Way through before. his entire campaign. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Sorry, and even if we paid attention, like to going back to like the nineties, like with the whole central park, like all of that, he had been like one of the architects of it all from the beginning. Um, so like when he was elected office, like in my, my political science background, my training, everything that I've learned in philosophy classes and I've read kind of knew what was going to happen. And I went into my job, Habitat for Humanity at the time, um, which is I love that place. But that, it's a real hippie-esque yeah, type of is. environment and free love. And, you know, we don't see color, which is a whole nother conversation. Oh um, <laughs> and I was just kind of quiet. Now, my cubicle was positioned in the back row anyway. So you had to, like, intentionally come see me if you wanted to come see me. But this was a specific day. I wasn't walking out. I wasn't making copies. I wasn't really doing anything like that. And um, somebody came and checked on me. He's like, Josh, I hadn't seen you today. And I was just, I basically, I said, I, because I don't want to be seen. And the conversation was like, well, why not? And the conversation just expanded into my feelings and what I thought. And I had, I've been a Hillary supporter since 08. Mm-hmm. When everybody was on, you know, supported yeah, yeah. President Obama, I was, you know, what I'm saying? so I was like super disappointed when she didn't get it the second time. But um, beyond just my personal attachment to her and her politics, like I was just disappointed in what our country did yeah. with this particular president. And I, and I, good, bad, or indifferent, I brought it to work. And I was just yeah. like, I don't, as a black man, I am offended by America's choice. Yeah. And since you asked, here's your answer. <laughs> you know yeah, what I'm saying? Here's right, your facts. answer. And sometimes it's really hard to separate, like, 
those kind of personal feelings outside of my productivity because even in that day as I'm reflecting, I probably did not do much of anything that day. Yeah. It probably yeah. was a lot of reading of CNN and, yeah. you know what I'm saying, just trying to see what's going to happen. And, like, how do you deal with that? Even though you may not take it to work, like, how do you deal with when the black experience is in your face, especially in a negative way, like George Floyd, like, how do you aim to be, outside of canceling the meetings, right, how yeah. do you still aim to say, John, I'm going to still be some kind of productive today. Yeah. I think a lot of it um, has me is I don't, I don't overt, I don't really try to push myself too hard. Um, Mm -hmm. So like for, I give myself a lot of grace and I'm just now learning how to do this. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't even realize how affected I was until I was like, bro, why am I not trying to get out of bed? Like I really (laughs) could not figure it out. And um, I feel like a, a lot of it is giving myself a lot of grace and then um, just talking to people, reaching out to people. Um, community has been a really big thing uh, for me as well. So I, I I changed I changed what productivity is that day. Productivity that day That's might good, not man. be the poem. The yeah. productivity of that day might not be the email. Productivity that that day is calling friends. It's checking in on other people that I love. You know what I'm saying? It's um you know it's it's those things, the smaller things, the relationships that I'm learning, I'm investing in people, um, is is just as productive, you know what I'm saying, as, oh, I, you know, we did my little, you know, little plan that I was supposed to do for the day. So yeah. I think I just changed what is the productivity scale for today, you know? And I think that's the beauty in what you just said was that we don't have to sacrifice one for the other. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can still be productive. I can still do some of the things that I need to do while also finding um, fulfillment and productivity in other areas. Because I think the last time one of the major, I think it was um, Philando Castile specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, just, I text my dad and was just like, man, I love you. Mm-hmm. He's like, I love you too, son, but this is random. And I'm like, no, cause we hadn't like, we hadn't really talked that day. So it's yeah. not like we don't, we, we don't say it. And I said that I just, I don't, I don't really want to go into why I just need it. And he was like, yeah. I love you, son. And I think his mind automatically went to why. And we just connect. And for me, like you said, that healed a lot. And I felt more accomplished in that moment than I did pushing any papers writing any sermons, producing any blogs or anything else. So I think that is like duality is a thing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I can still be a creative. I can still be, you know what I'm saying? A corporate connoisseur or whatever you want to call yourself yeah. and still be grieved and still find ways to produce in the midst of grief and the midst of anger. Um, but their productivity doesn't have to look like what society says it has to look like because I think our experience as black people, specifically as black men, definitely alters how we produce, when we produce it, and why we actually produce it. Like you, you kind of talked about a little bit, even with the poems being pulled in certain spaces. Like, how do you, even in that space, how do you avoid the temptation of writing the, you know what I'm saying, the super black power piece when you know, like, maybe that's not what I want to talk about, but you also know I need to speak to my community. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think it is very, very hard um, to balance that. Um, I was like trying to force, my, I was literally trying to force myself to put up some lines today um, about about George. And I was like, you know what? I just need to heal myself, you know what I'm saying, yeah. for a minute. And um, I think it's just not I think it's just just choosing, you know, put your foot down and just choosing not to give in. I feel like a lot of things like I think in a lot of ways, productivity is an idol. You know what I'm saying? 
And it's, yeah, I think productivity a lot of times is an idol. And I think it's an it's in seeing it as that, you know, especially in the sense of, oh, if I'm not saying anything, then I'm not tapped in or I don't care or whatever it is, whatever the thing is. Mm-hmm. I think um, it's just choosing like to put my foot down and be like, hey, like I'm not going to say anything about this until I'm personally ready, you know, because while I am an artist and while there are things that I I will produce better if I'm coming from this place rather than another. And so like, yeah, OK, exactly. I'm, yeah. Yeah. So if I was like I'm producing from a more healed place or like a place where I've actually thought about some things and digested some things, then. If I feel like that's better for this experience, then that's what I'm going to do. And I and that was like and I think that was my experience here. But then when it was like for a mod, that was like like, you know, I post something like the next day, like, dang, like, how can we tell black folks, you know, black kids they can run for president when they still running for their lives? Yeah, and that was you know, what I'm saying. And that was my raw emotion at the time. And I felt like, no, somebody needs to hear this today. And mm-hmm. I choose to do that. Versus like today, yesterday, I was like, bro, this is awful. You know what I'm saying? And I I really don't have anything to say today or maybe not even tomorrow. So I'm just not going to. Right. Bro, you said something that almost made me jump up real fast. And it was, I need to produce from a healed space. And uh, I hate to be super churchy, but I'm just going to go yeah. there because yeah. there, yeah. glory to God. But I think so many times we produce from broken spaces Ooh. that we do not give not only the authenticity of who we are, but just the like the greatness of what we're called to be because we're not even whole to to, to, to produce. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. what we actually are capable of producing. Like just imagine if more of us were actually totally healed while we were producing, like what that product, what the actual product would be because bump, you know what I'm saying? Like I can't get to the product unless the production is actually right. And I think so many times we're focused, as you said, on just saying something or just putting something out there, that, that end product, that social media post, or how can I go viral or how can I be the next Sean King or whatever, 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 that we're not focused on what it really takes mentally, emotionally, physically shoot yeah. sometimes to really produce and produce well. Yeah. I I feel like, and that's crazy that I even reminded myself of that. You even, you even heard that and decided to bring it up because a lot of times you don't realize that sometimes culture um, uh, really, uh, I don't even know the word, but they encourage people to, to, to produce from broken spaces. Yeah. Like, you know, Oh, she got, Oh, she just got a divorce. Mm-hmm. Oh, that album about to go. You know what I'm right. saying? Broken right. crayon, still color. Right. 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 Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I want to produce from this broken space. Like I know so many poets who've written poems like, bruh, I'm not, I'm not sad anymore. I'm happy now. And now I have no poems to write. Like I've healed from everything I wrote about in the last three years. And now I'm like doing well and I've reached this point in my life. And now I'm trying to learn how to write healed poems. That's a whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) It's a whole thing. No, it's, it's a thing. It's a thing. And I think it's, it's true across so many sectors because like we can still write from the broken experience. Yeah. We don't have to be broken like just to write it. You know what I'm saying? Like exactly. 
I, it doesn't mean that I didn't go through it. You know what I'm saying? And then there can be so many different nuances and learning experiences from it. Like, how did I grow? How do you know what I'm saying? Like, that's that's a whole conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole it's, conversation. Yeah. But 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 speaking on that though, I do want to know, like, when you are in these kind of spaces of grief or mental and emotional exhaustion, how do you sometimes push yourself to get the juices flowing? Like, because even though we may not be ready, like we talk about the whole heal space, there are moments where we still have to produce. Yeah. So how how do you like overcome that? I think prayer is really big for me. Um, yeah, prayer is really huge for me. Like in realizing that me as a not only do I have this gift, but I'm also a, a steward of it of mm-hmm. the gift, and like you know, really praying about it. Like, hey, Lord, like what should I be saying right now? You know what I'm saying? What should I be talking about right now? And, um, and moving on that, that's really big for me. And going back to, um, community as well is like just talking something out, like with a friend or like somebody who's, you know, I'm just like, bro, you know, I just don't understand what why, And, you know, being able to, to kind of just get on the same page with somebody, um, helps me just, I kind of, I'm able to get my thoughts and emotions out and then like able to kind of see a little bit clearly, even for that moment or for yeah. that day and be like, OK, I can at least say this or I leave at least have this much to say or this much to produce. I think yesterday that looked like me. I wrote like four lines, you know, mm-hmm. on a, you know, on a, on this particular poem. And I was like, all I got is four lines right now. You know what I'm saying? Tomorrow I might have a few more, but this is all I have today in like giving myself the grace for that. Like I'm going to try to do something. You know, um, even if it's not like, oh, blah, 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 blah. I got the whole thing going. I got the whole picture and the whole metaphor and whatever. So, yeah. Got you. So, like, last question on on productivity, because I know mm-hmm. I know we we all got stuff to do. Yeah. Um, but how do you remain authentic in your gift and what you do and how you produce in a world that seems like every space seems to is seemingly to become sat- oversaturated. Like yeah. how do you still be authentic? That is a great question. Um I think wow, that's really good. Um I think authenticity is kind of like I think you have to learn how to appreciate yourself appreciate mm-hmm. the work that you do. So a lot of times what I'll do is that I'll go back and I'll listen to my own work. I'll read my own stuff at a place where I feel like John was a little bit more authentic, a place where he was a little bit less. That is good, John. Wait a minute. <laughs> go back to that place. You're going to do what? I'm going to go back to, to a, I'm going to go back to the spot where I feel like I was more authentic. Yeah. I was a little less pulled by other people's writing and what other somebody else said and whatever. Like I go back and watch my own stuff all the time. I remember I heard Lil Wayne say once, he said, I don't listen to nobody else's songs. All I listen to is me. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, like, and a part of me really believed him. I was like, yeah, and that's how he said he was so authentic during that time. Cause it's mm-hmm. like I'll go back and I'll listen to my old work, you know, and my old stuff and be like, ooh. That boy was spitting that line. (laughs) You were so excited about that. And that, you know, fuels me again to be like, okay, now I can I can create from that space versus sometimes you can create from a space of like envy or like jealousy. Yeah. Yeah. Or like one is like 
that little line where well, that wasn't even that far or they little poem wasn't even all that you know what i'm saying or whatever whatever your thing is like mm-hmm. they shirts not even that far like you know <laughs> and so um i think i going back and re just appreciate things you know things because i'm like okay if i felt like if the most authentic john was in this work or that even god was in this work then i let him minister to me again through that older work and then i can produce from that space that is so good, bro, because I think sometimes we will confuse that and look at that as this like self gratifying or almost arrogant perspective. And it's really not. It's not. Uh, I, I remember growing up um, when I would finish preaching my pastor, I'd be like, he'd be like, man, you, you did great. And I'd be like, well, thank you. He'll quickly correct me and say, no, you thank the Lord. And as <laughs> and as a young lad, I used to you know, I took it. That was my training, my foundation. And every time somebody would, you know, compliment me, that would that would be my response. No, thank the Lord. And as I grew mature, like it's so ironic. I've never thought about it that way. I began to say, like, thank you. God gave me the gift and the anointing, but I was still the vessel who wrote, who sat, who studied. I prayed to him. You know what I'm saying? So it is it is a co-laboring thing. Like, so yeah. as I thank him for the gift and for the anointing, I'm thanking you for recognizing it on me. Yeah. And it's so good to sometimes go back and like you said, go back to when you felt like you were your most authentic to see how you were inspired. Because even sometimes when I'm doing my writing, I get stuck in my, like sometimes for me, it's the intro. Yeah. When I want, how I want to start it off. And I'll be like, so I will go back to like several pieces and be like, nah, that ain't it. And I'll find that one where I know I killed it. I know it was bomb. Be like, that's how I'm going to start that joint. Yeah. Because that's why I remember where, it, you know, this and this and whatever, whatever happened. So I think that's so good. Um, So people can understand it is okay to find the beauty in your own work, in your own productivity, and use that as a mechanism to fuel what you're going to continue to produce. Yeah. You gotta like your you gotta like your own stuff, bro. You gotta like what you said. Like, I'm not putting out nothing I don't like. You know, what I'm saying? I gotta <laughs> like I gotta be like, <laughs> you know, I gotta you know I gotta right. get at least two of those in something <laughs> I wrote myself for me to put it out. You know what I'm saying? So old John can appreciate that as well. Like, exactly. You know, um, or you know, if I wrote a poem two weeks ago, John in a year can go back and listen to the essential worker poem. Was like. Boy, how you think of that? Like, ooh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, yeah. Good stuff, man. Well, thank you, bro, for coming inside my virtual living room yeah, and having some life conversations about um, black productivity. Let the people know how they can find you and what you got coming up next. Yeah, bro. So um, you can find me um, on Poet John Wood on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, yeah, that's at Poet John Wood. I also have um, a faith-based um, clothing brand, uh, called Stained Glass Apparel. We're out of Atlanta. You can find us uh, at Stained Glass ATL. Um, yeah, bro. Right now, bro, you can just you can find me putting poems on my page. Um, Stained Glass has a new summer collection. I'm not sure when this episode will drop, but um, summer 2020, we do have a new collection coming out that I'm super excited about. Um, so yeah, bro, that's that's the places where I'm I'm staying updated and um, pushing new things. Let's go. So y'all support. I wouldn't be supporting and pushing if I didn't believe in it and, and appreciate the product and the and his productivity. So I want y'all to support my boy, John Wood. Thank you again, man, for coming. Um, we'll go to our next section, our next segment we like yeah. to call I Am My Brother's Keeper. Woosah. 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 
So we are in this segment. I love to call I Am My Brother's Keeper. This does not isolate our sisters, but it's just a moment about black self-care. So, John, this weekend, bro, what are you doing for self-care? So my biggest things probably for self-care this week, I I ain't gonna even get it get be too super deep, dog. I'm really about to watch some Netflix, bro. Like for real. <laughs> I am somebody I was telling somebody, I was like, bro, I'm always working. If it's not poems, if it's not content for something, if it's not talking to people that I've kind of brought on staff or new designs, you know, putting stuff out, like I'm always working. And so like I don't ever really have a whole lot of time just to just rest and not be bothered by anything that's going on. Um, another thing that I really be doing, like I really enjoy taking walks, like uh, um, just kind of like walking and just being quiet, listening, um, hearing my own thoughts, like um, enjoying nature. Like that's one thing that I'm that I have been enjoying doing. So yeah, that's definitely something I'm gonna get into uh, this week, um, this weekend for self care. That's good, bro. And you deserve like there's nothing wrong with a good Netflix binge. Uh, (laughs) Personally, I am going to like regain or attempt anyway to regain control of my workout life. Um, I've been so busy as we've been talking about just doing stuff, producing this podcast um, and everything that comes with it that I've only worked out maybe once or twice, maybe three times a week. And for me, for someone that's like, bro. That's enough. But <laughs> but for me, I yeah. anybody who knows me knows it's I go five right. to six times a week. Yeah. Sometimes two days, two twice a day. So like just I want to get back into that rhythm. And I guess for me, it's really finding the rhythm. Like yeah. whatever that rhythm is um for working out and regaining control of that. Yeah. So to all the listeners out there. Like, do what you do, whether it's working out, whether it is taking a walk, whether it's binging Netflix, whatever you need to do, do it for yourself and nobody else. Um, Again, John, thank you, bro, for coming through. We're going to move on to our last segment um, of the show where I do my rent for the week, a greater conversation. So here we are. In news again with this woman named Amy Cooper, who was playing with her little dog in New York's Central Park in an area that clearly indicates if you're going to have your pet or your dog there, then you must have a leash on your dog at all times. Now, typically, from what I understand, This area was reserved or is reserved for people who are bird watching and things like that. So uh, mind you, let me point out a very important fact that Amy Cooper was white and she broke one of Karen's rules um, by ignoring and breaking the rules, but also being a full fledged Karen and all of her caucasity by using her privilege to try to get around those rules. So when my black brother, Mr. Christian Cooper, no relation spotted her he stopped his bird watching and politely asked hey can you put your dog on a leash and from what i understand he did it because something about um the dogs disrupting nature affects bird watching and things like that i don't know much about bird watching but for whatever reason he knew about it he knew that it would be a disruption and she was out of pocket because she wasn't supposed to be doing it in that area and central park is huge so many other areas for you to walk your dog she then 
claims that she's being assaulted and feels threatened. But what she really felt was her privilege being called out because a black man made her, was making her adhere to the rules. She began to tell him and yell and say that you need to start recording me and I'm going to call the police and tell the police that there's an African-American man assaulting and harassing me. And she did that. She called the police department and reported. And as she continued to speak, if you watch the video, she got more intense in her language. She started this like fake cry crap that was going on. But that's not even the conversation. The greater conversation of it all is that you do not know how dangerous that is. That man, Mr. Christian Cooper, could have very well been George Floyd all over again. Why? Because if the police, if white police officers in New York City, would have responded to an assault charge made by a crying white woman in the middle of a park, the same Central Park from the Central Park Five, the same Central Park that has um, records of prejudiced behavior among black people in that park, then that man could have possibly been killed or unjustly arrested because this woman was called out in her own privilege. Let me tell you, Amy Cooper, don't you dare threaten another man's life like that again what you really did was put a bounty on his head and really wanted him to be killed because that could have been the extent of the consequence from that stupid phone call you had all the man asks you to do is put a leash on your dog which the rules tell you that you're supposed to do like, what is your issue? Like, caucasity gets on my darn nerves. And excuse me, because I want to use another word, but I'm not going to lose my witness on this podcast. You understand me? But Amy Cooper... The greater conversation for you is that, yes, you lost your job. Yes, your dog is now gone. But, ma'am, you should have thought about those things before you gave us this um, half-hearted apology with these white woman tears that all y'all have probably learned since birth to give. I'm not hearing that. I don't want to hear it. I love you with the love of Christ, but I am calling you out to the carpet because it was wrong. And you need to understand the consequences that could have been on Christian's life had the police actually showed up and responded to this bogus this bogus attempt to get this man arrested or away from you simply because your privilege was called out. Are you that privileged that you had to falsely accuse someone of harassment and assault only because they ask you to follow the rules? The stuff that y'all ask us, quote unquote, to do all the time. Girl, please. <sighs> Deep breath for the mic. But. Enough of that. <laughs> this now concludes the very first episode of the Jigsaw. And I am super, super excited. Um, How can we continue doing this? Hey, subscribe. Tell your friends to subscribe. Tell your friends, friends, and they mama and them and they cousin them to subscribe. And leave a rating of five stars. And if you don't want to leave five stars, then don't leave one at all. <laughs> but join me next week, next Thursday, as we get into another dope conversation, as we go into our virtual living room and do this thing all over again you can follow me on socials at i am josh rogers you can follow the podcast on socials at the jigsaw podcast and you can contact me if you want by emailing me at the jigsaw podcast at gmail.com this was super fun 
Cannot wait to do it again. Cannot wait to do it again. We're going to have a great time. But in the meantime and in between time, don't let life stress y'all out. Do what you can while you can the best way you can. But don't you dare ever get caught with your work undone. It's been a great time, y'all. See y'all next time.